Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks Hello everyone, welcome back to the Film Appreciation Podcast It rolls the reels, peruses the pictures, and then pits them against each other in brutal, unofficiated death matches. Also, we can pluck from the celluloid carnage our annual champion. There can be only one, and it is not Highlander. I am Carl Hartley. And I'm Max Peterson, and we are Measuring, Measuring Flicks. Dude, you nailed that Thank shit. Thank you. That you was... fucking nailed that we'll, shit. We'll put what happened... <laughs> Just moments ago, somewhere. Pa- Patreon exclusive. Yeah, we'll, pay, we'll pay gate that one. <laughs> wow, but we made it. Here we are. Part two of the Maltese Falcon. Yes. We're, we're con- yes, if you missed part one, that was dumb. You should go you should listen go back, to it. You hit the wrong one. There's like a bunch more stuff. And don't before. be dumb. It says part two yeah, on the title. Honestly. Like, you should have seen that and been like, I, I should probably what see is this, part the one. The sequel? It's not. I don't know why we're coming at you so hard, like right out the gate. I do know. It's because we've been drinking brandy for like four hours. <laughs> so much brandy. She's, I a fine, lo- <coughs> she's a fine girl. Dude, I am like really enjoying just. You it's know, pretty good. How do you like your brandy? In a glass. In a glass. And I was like, okay, yeah, one more time. I'll just, <laughs> just get cheers to you all day. And the more I drink, well, this happens every time I drink, it tastes better, but it's like the really the syrupy, <clears throat> that, that, the ma- that maple syrup. That maple I was syrup. right. I was totally right. It's getting... I, think it's the, I think it's the barrel because these are old, like brandy is like old wine barrels. Right. And you fortify the wine, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. So they could make the journey. Right. It's good. It's really good. I'm not sure what journey you're talking about, but what I can from tell the, you. From the barrel to the bottle to my mouth hole. Yeah. And that then, journey. And then it's a, it is also a health food because it just cleans you out, and, but it dirties you up. <laughs> It does, well. but it makes me. It may, uh, I'm very warm, me not too. just because of the lights, which are warm. But it's the middle of winter. That's true. Yeah, dude, it's a liquid blanket. It is. <laughs> oh, so listener, remember last last episode where I was like, "Here's a bunch of information about Dashiell Hammett that I know for sure, but I like kind of don't know the specifics." That was my next note. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, were you right about what you were thinking? You were pretty close. Cool. Um, so he was in World War One. Let me give you the, the basics. So for those of you who still, for some reason, haven't gone back to part one, let me catch you up real quick. We're in. Uh, <laughs> was that me? That was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know if it was you. Oh, I just burped too. And oh, I was there. like, I was like, it just smelled like delicious maple syrup brandy. Sure. What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um so this is this film is based on a book by author Dashiell Hammett. And last yesterday, last episode, I was talking about how I thought that Dashiell Hammett was a Pinkerton, a detective, right, yeah, yeah. went to World War II, all that stuff. And I got most of the details right. Let me just read you my note because the note I copied directly from online research. So, uh Dashiell Hammett uh ba ba Dashiell Hammett was a de- he was a detective through all of his twenties working okay. working for the Pinkertons. 
Then he went and fought in World War One. In World War One, he contracted TB, tuberculosis. In, it was consumption. Yes, and back in the Dizay, there was no... <clears throat> nowadays, you can get TB sorted out real quick. Back in the day, it kind of became just a how long can we keep you alive until the suffering gets to be too much yeah, sort that of was, situation. Yeah, that was kind of the, the walking death. Yes. In a lot of ways. So at that point, he was too sickly to continue his actual detective work. That is when he picked up writing and started writing the novels that he's famous for, including The Maltese Falcon, which I believe came out in 19... That book came out, I think, in 1930, which is 11 years before this. I could be wrong about that, though. I just just said that. That's all that happened. I like like news that isn't news. (laughs) Book came out in 1930, (laughs) one or two... Or maybe the, you could say to say the thirties. I don't know that for a fact either. Oh. This could have come out in forty, and they made the movie in forty-one. I don't. I have no, literally, no clue. <laughs> so um, don't cite your sources here if you're doing a project for. School. If you're in college, no, we're not your source. No, we're what you listen to when you're just fucking high and not doing your homework. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> Guys, do you guys like want to not do homework tonight? Let's listen to Measuring Flicks. Bro, their episode on fucking uh, Blood and Concrete, it made me literally shit my own pants. <laughs> and that's an experience that if you have not had that, don't. That is one of my favorite episodes <laughs> that we've ever done. It's really fucking Season funny. one, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All the way in the OG. Um, So the, where we left off, we were talking about... I think we were, we had just been talking about how Sam Spade was this kind of cold, brutalist character who yeah. speaks really directly. <laughs> And one of the places that that comes through is this when he goes to Bridget LeBlanc's. LeBlanc at this point. Yes. Name number one of three. Yeah. Well, no, name number two, two of three. three. One was Wonderly, but there's nobody by Wonderly's name. So now he's going to go visit Ms. LeBlanc, Mrs. LeBlanc over in, uh, in her hotel room. And he comes in and confronts her essentially with the information that he's got, which is... Archer's been murdered. This is like the day after right. Archer's been murdered. Fucking Thursby's been murdered. Got- two, two murders on the book so far inside 12 hours. In one night right after she came to him, yeah. he's going to go and fucking talk to Ms. Exactly, LeBlanc. because you go knock on doors. I love, get off your ass and go knock on doors. I love that he calls her on it, too. He's like, yeah. so, Wonderly, or is it LeBlanc now? And she goes, actually, it's O'Shaughnessy. It's O'Shaughnessy. And he's like, he's like, wow, you're a fucking liar, eh? Yep. He, he does. We talked about it in, episode, in the first episode of this series. Could repeatedly through this movie, he's just like, nothing that comes out of your mouth means shit because you're a fucking liar. Just repeatedly but there to is, your what's, face. What's fantastic is he, he is so calculating and smart and has been here before that that is a sort of knowing now that he cannot trust anything that she says is enough to go on yeah, he's cool based on what she says. He can now say, okay, I can't take any of what was just said as truth. But I can still figure some shit out. Right. So what does that mean? There's a really cool <clears throat> moment later in the movie where she acknowledges that she lies to him all the time and then tells him a piece of information. And he goes, how much truth was in that story? And she goes, not much. Not much. Some. Yep. <laughs> like straight up. I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to lie to me. And then I'm going to try and use that lie as best I can to move forward. That's their relationship yep. this whole film. He's fully aware, and she's fully aware that he knows, and she just continues to lie. Do you think that this is part of her just character? Like, she's, 
not only is she just lying to Sam Spade because she's trying to get what she wants and sort of navigate this crazy fucking, like, I need to get this Falcon because I want it. Or do you think that that's just sort of the person that she is, too? She can't help. Do you think she's like a compulsive liar in general? That's an interesting question. It just happens to be how she got caught up in all this shit in the first place. It We never get... I mean, that's one of the cool... We talked about it a little bit last uh, yesterday, but um, one of the cool things about this character and this genre is we don't get we don't the know. backstory. Right. We never we don't get the like It's cool that it's there to pick up though. It, there's an I think I don't I'm not sure there's enough to get her full backstory, but what we what do we know about her? You know like you know you're not going to you're not going to get up and poke the fire and go around the room rearranging things again, are you? Right. No, I'm not. You better not be as innocent as you're playing. I'm not. I've lived a bad life. Worse than you could possibly know, like that sort of shit. So she reveals like little bits and pieces. And what's interesting about the movie is as the movie goes on, as you start to kind of learn how these characters act through their actions, you get a better read on what their lies mean. So their lies become... Which is the genius of Sam Spade, because he can figure that out. He sees the Matrix. He's there, too. Yes, dude. He's he's like, there is no spoon. I've got... I can... He sees right through it oh, at a certain gave point. Me goosebumps everywhere. E- everywhere? Everywhere. <laughs> anyway, it's fun to have a camera to go it's to. It's kind of nice. <clears throat> now we can... But that's the genius of Sam Spade. 100%. Is... As we the Sometimes viewer, the lie gives them more information than the truth does. When you've got, once you've built your baseline. Yes. Yes. So he he knows she's lying. Because, okay, this first time that we're talking about right here, he goes and goes to talk to O'Shaughnessy, right? Yeah, with her fucking touch tip lighter, maybe possibly a Ronson, $625. If you guys want to buy one for us, just drop us a line. Measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. I will give you a mailing address. Fun the Bill Pullman Park Barkart. Yes, dude. Dude, you know how many joints Carl and I will light with that fucking touch tip, Ronson? Thousands. It's an investment piece. And we'll use it right here on Measuring Flicks, on the camera, and we'll shout you out by name if you buy us one. Ronson Touch Tip Art Deco Lighter. Make it happen, listeners. We're never going to see one, Carl. No. Never. But we need a computer first, but if someone wants to give us a lighter, that's cool, too. Look, man. I don't. We're going to take care of the computer. They take care of the shit we don't need. But need desperately. So uh, anyway, <laughs> so I I love that he's in the scene. He comes and sits down with O'Shaughnessy, and at this point, she's still kind of doing her innocent schoolgirl mm-hmm. act. Because remember, as the film progresses, she's gonna tip her hand more and more and more until ultimately Spade will just call her on it, and she drops it entirely. Well, she not only drops it entirely, she kind of falls apart once once that the- last string has been pulled. That sweater is just well the fucking pressure fucked. really ramps up it's a, this what's cool about this movie amongst many 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 other things is it's kind of a slow burn until the movie's ready to lay its hand down mm-hmm. and once it lays its hand down wow buddy does that just fucking ramp up and you know it's coming because it's beautifully written and you know the moment is occurring it earns it yeah. it, it earns it because it gives you the pieces and lets you build the tower that it's going to topple yep you know, it's amazing. And you're so ready and excited for that tower to get knocked the For the fuck moment, yes. Over. You're, yeah. Dude, you're there for the moment. As soon as, like, at the end of the movie, once fucking Green Street's, like, chopping at that mm-hmm. Maltese Falcon, and he's like, I guess we should do it because it's a new episode. Spoilers. You have five seconds. I'm going to tell you, talk about the end of the movie. One, two, three, four, five, go. One, two, three, four, five. We're done. When he's chopping at that fucking, like, 
lead thing, you know, at the end of that, when when by the time we're there, that's where we have naked greed on everyone's face. The cards are all down. We're looking at everyone's hand because that was the last flip on the table. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that. We just turned the last card up. The and river has been turned. That is the river the fifth one or is the river the third one? Rivers. No, the, the, f- the flop is the third. Flop. The turn is the, the turn. fourth, and the river is the fifth. Yes. Thank you. The river has been turned. Everyone's trying to build their hands, and si- no one knows that Sam Spade is sitting back with five aces. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Fucking a man. I love this movie. Yep. Just lost my pen. It's all right. We're gonna be good. This is <laughs> your his last name VSOP. Don't gotta be a Sam Spade to figure that one out. I like that. Um, when he's sitting with O'Shaughnessy, she's like. By the way, I think it's fucked. By the end of the movie, we realize that she's asking about the man that she shot and murdered, mm-hmm. and she's asking because she feels guilty that she killed a person. Yeah. It's not because, oh, your partner died. Was he married? It's Are fucking shot yeah. him and he died. Was he married? She. It didn't change her course of action. No. But now she's been sitting in that. She committed murder Yeah. 12 hours ago. Yeah. And now it's the morning, and Sam Spade is here to talk about... Hey, some shit went down last night. Do you know anything about it? And she's trying to find out how bad the thing she did is and how bad she should feel. Yeah, she murked somebody, but what were the... Now, what does Sam Spade... Was Spade's, he married? Did, did he have kids? Here's, did, yeah. And here's Sam Spade's response. She goes, was he? Was he? Was he married? Mary Astor's just slays in this scene, dude. She's so good. And fucking Spade looks at her and he goes, he was married with a $10,000 insurance policy and a wife who didn't like him. Don't tell me that. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. He says, he was married with a $10,000 insurance, or, or he was married with, oh, he was married with $10,000 insurance, no children, and a wife who didn't like him. Don't tell me that. It's the way it was. Now, does he tell her that? Because it is the Letting way it her was. Letting off the hook a little bit. Now, why would he do that? Because of what he has to do next. He's trying to. He needs to set her up for for the next bit of business that yeah. has to happen. Well, because he's to... kind of not softening her up necessarily, but kind of getting himself better positioned for what needs to happen next when everyone else is. He needs to to get. You need to fucking admit that you fucking killed this person, so that we, we're either gonna you're either gonna go to jail. He doesn't even know right about the now. Falcon at this point at all. Right. Actually, that's think... that's something he brings up in the scene is he doesn't know anything at all. Right. He's like, uh. You came into my office to hire me to shadow Thursby. Mm-hmm. I farmed that out to Archer. Right, really, okay. Archer wanted to look I at forgot, her I ass. forgot where we were. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in this first this first meeting at her hotel room, he's like, what do you want me to do right. here? Because you hired me to shadow this guy who's dead, and the guy that I sent to shadow him is dead. Seems kind of like this situation is over. Right. So Why am I still here? Yeah, what do we... Is Are we going forward? Because Sam... Because if we are, there needs to be a reason for me to be here. Spade knows. Well, he says... This is the scene where he says to her, he's like, oh, don't worry, we didn't believe you about that anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah like, exactly. So he's like, I know that this is really about something else. The question is, do you want me to continue to help you with this other thing that you're not telling me about? Or... Do you want to just call this now? Because the thing that you hired me for is clearly wrapped up mm-hmm. because all parties involved are currently dead. And she's like, oh, couldn't you shield me from the police, Sam? And he's like, from what? What? In I the- don't know anything. Yeah, yet. and I love, I, he has genuine, because you, you can, you even at this early moment in the movie, 
he knows something. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay. Well, look. he knows there's a fucking something is rotten in these. Oh, for sure, dude. She showed up, and six hours later, his partner was dead, and the man and they were the trying to hunt. Tail was, like, was dead, and she like left town and changed her name. He's sure, like, everything's fine. Huh. Seems like maybe this is all your fault because of some other fucking thing that's going on that I am not currently privy to. I feel like I'm not being given complete information. Exactly. It's like, well, when we when you filled out your intake form, you didn't really put on there, you know, like known. Just a lot of maybes and not a whole lot of information. I'm scrolling through your KAs here and I'm not seeing any murderers. So it (laughs) seems like maybe you didn't tell me something on the old entrance exam. You did a lot of boshing, didn't you? A shitload, bro. (laughs) I mean, honestly, those cops did not have PC to walk into fucking Archer's house that first time. He's oh, they did invited not. Him. Well, probable cause is one of those things kind of like wishy-washy. See, I knew what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, I watched I just Bosch. wanted to drop some cop speak Thank on you. you. Cop talk. A little bit of cop talk. Our other podcast that you can find Scotch over on. Scotch talk and cop talk. Sometimes they, they All the time they're together. Um, So there's a... Oh, yeah. And the next thing I have is for Joel Cairo, but... Basically, Spade is like, listen, if you want me to keep working for you and working on, I don't know what. Whatever this is. Something. If you want me to continue to work, you know, like insert job here. Right. One, I need more fucking money because two people are dead and 200 bucks. Actually, that's a huge amount of money in uh, 1941. But for dealing with what I'm dealing with. Multiple murders and a, and a client who tells me Clearly not the risk. one word of truth the entire time. You're going to. I love this part, too, because he goes. How much money you've got? I've got about five hundred dollars left. Give it to me. Give it to me. How about a hundred dollars? I need some well, for groceries and shit. There's only four hundred dollars yeah. here. And she's like, Well, I need something to live on. Can't you ra- can't you raise any more? Well, no, I don't think so. Anything you could hawk? I've got some furs, some jewelry. You'll have to hawk them. Give boom. Me, boom. Takes all of her Takes cash. Every cent she has, and he's like, Peace. <laughs> Out of the door. Gone. <laughs> I can love that so moment. Great. It's great too because it's not actually like malice that he's doing it out of because he does continue to work for her. Well, yeah, but also he got played. Like, and his, and to be fair, his partner is dead. Regardless of what their relationship is actually like, there's some serious loss yeah. going on here. So that's the least she can do is cough <laughs> up five bills. Like, must have had some good points. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I guess. I don't I mean, know. Not really. He Take was... his name off the door. Like. <laughs> Yeah, scratch that. I never, if I never see the name Archer, Archer. again, that's why I can't watch the Olympics anymore because <laughs> right. it's a sport there, and I'll just think of what a fucker that guy was. Like that is, yeah. he does not like his partner, which I love that. I actually like that they hammer that home early mm-hmm. because it makes his monologue at the end. That's that detail where he doesn't like his partner at all. Thinks mm-hmm. his partner's kind of a piece of shit and really doesn't get along with him that much, but they're good together kind of as a working duo. Right. That dynamic established early is what sells the monologue right. at the end. Completely. Like, would that be an all like, I loved Archer and and I'm going that to... That wouldn't have... Now doing this to like right the wrong when your partner's done, killed nah. you, a man has that's to a do something movie. you know like yeah exactly that's a different movie yeah that's a movie that's, that's a different character that's not Sam Spade that's someone else Bogart never says that line no ever you know you but because he's so because World War II is amb- happening ambiguous right now like, I genuinely think that's actual, part Sam, of it. I feel like Sam Spade is an actual person because there is that like dirtiness to it 
into him. It's it's like the light version of why everyone prefers villains to heroes. Sure. Is they, he there's is the, depth. He is like the anti-hero, the anti-sort of, because he's kind of dirty. He's not as far as like the Punisher or someone like that, where it's like you have to ask Yet. some serious questions of what is right and what is wrong and what is acceptable. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, this is like, yeah, he was doing his fucking partner's wife. He wasn't really broken up about the fact that he got murked on a job. He put he took his name. He was off. a little bummed. He was a little bummed, but took his name off of the letterhead like within hours of his demise. He he wasn't bummed, but a set of circumstances that his principles and morals demanded that he react to had been set in motion. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. You can almost see it's that moment when he's I keep going back to it, but it's that moment when he's first talking to the detective at the scene where Miles has been shot and you can see the wheels start mm-hmm. to turn. And he looks he looks tired and he looks like put out. And I think it's because he knows my partner's been killed and now I'm in this until the end. Right. And he doesn't I gotta see this. He through. doesn't really wanna be there. He, he doesn't vocalize any of that. At all. But it's, it's there. Yes. I think it's all in that physical performance. It's in like the weariness of do you wanna go look at the body before we wheel him out? Nah, yeah. you'd have seen everything I'd see. Right. Which like what a de- what a great detail. Do you wanna go and pay your and last respect to your partner? Maybe he takes the name off the door so quickly because he doesn't want to look at it. Maybe. Because what would that do? That would like Is this is yes, is, is this that his coping mechanism for Shit, he was. We were actually pretty close. We've worked together forever. I did some dirty. I'm banging his wife. Now he's dead. Maybe he's a dealing bit with of guilt. some guilt as well. Get his name off the door. I don't want to fucking look at it. This it's distracting. Is, this is one of the things that I find so compelling. Wow. Right? This is one of the things I find so compelling about cinema from yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Now listen, I am absolutely all for. I was actually just talking to Brie about this today. I am all for this sort of like. As time goes on, it becomes more and more acceptable for men to show emotion, and we're and we're discussing how it's healthy yeah. for men to discuss their emotions and to deal with loss and grief in like an open way, and to like express affection and not just keep everything bottled up and drink all day long and keep your face really stiff and punch each other. And you know, like I was telling Bird, like a lot of like what the male world is is like busting balls. And that's how you express affection. Like, what's up, you piece of shit? You have a late night. You look like garbage. And that means, hey, man, I'm so glad that you're here today. I really like seeing you. You're one of my good friends. Glad to see you survived last night's shenanigans. But like a bunch of dudes. God, this is going to sound so bad. A bunch of dudes sitting around in a circle talking about their feelings does not a compelling film noir make. No. It's like, can you imagine a Western where John Wayne's like, and I just like I killed no. like three people, and I just don't know what to do. They those were lives, you know. Like, there's something. Yeah, I know. But but John that's, Wick had to like take a moment after every. But but what I think you do need, and John Wick is actually a bad example because John Wick at the end of killing like whatever I think he kills like what seventy thousand people in those movies. Pretty once, much. once he's done stacking bodies, he just goes home and like sits down, makes and, an omelet. Yeah, he cooks his food, and you're like, what a cold motherfucker. But. What really makes the moment for me is when John Wayne kills a couple people and then he goes back and he and he sits quietly and he pours himself just a finger of whiskey and he kind of looks into the glass and yeah. he thinks about this life that he's chosen that leads him to put other men in the dirt. But he can't he can't let the world know yeah. that that's how he's feeling. 
So he's going to sit here and he's going to drink. I'm not saying that's healthy. I'm saying that I'm as saying a film, that that will, yeah. that's way more compelling for me to watch. And I think that's something that is nailed here in the Sam Spade mm-hmm. character because he, he doesn't really give a fuck about his partner that much. But but now he's got to go and do something about this. Right. And the way that he's going to do something about this is just going to make him feel worse. Yeah. But that's the tracks he's on. I love that. I love that. It's it's what's not spoken. I, I think that's something we've lost in this like hyper sharing, you know, oversharing age that we live in where it's like, you know, like, hey, good morning. I woke up. Here's everything I'm feeling. Here's all my problems. Here's all my solutions. Here's what I had for breakfast. Like there's moments n- are lost. There's nothing left. I think poignancy is lost yeah. because it's like I think that's what I mean. Like there are no more actual moments anymore. Yeah, because it's all just stream of consciousness thrown out there. It's like it's like the it's like society has. I'm, I'm an English major, so it's like society in a way has pivoted to the beat generation. Just write it all. Just write it from the top of your head. Send it, and you're done. Just everything you're thinking, pour it out, and you're done. And I like the story of the beats because they lived really wild lives. But I tend not to like their writing very much because there's no craft or thought. There's no subtext or there's very little that's beneath the surface. A lot of it just kind of like, and then I thought this and then I did this and then we went there. And then it's like, it's like reading social media. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There's nothing left back or held back or kept. And brutal honesty can be compelling, but there's also something to be said to having your hands shake a little bit as you roll a cigarette and yeah. and your secretary needs to take the paper from you mm-hmm. and then hold it out to you so you can lick the paper and finish your smoke for you. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. something to be said for leaving some of your feelings between the lines for others to intuit. There's something about discovering someone's feelings that binds you closer to them than sitting across from someone and saying, I feel this way. How do you feel? Well, I feel this way. And then how do those two feelings combine? Now, what if we just sat in silence and said, it's been a cold winter, Carl. How are you enjoying my brandy? This this liquor that's named after you is quite warm, especially when you've had 15 glasses of it in one episode. Mm Mm-hmm. The red pine grows tall. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying, though? No, I know exactly. <laughs> but again, but that's a moment and a shared moment. I see what... Moments are being I think lost. I know what you mean now when yeah. you're saying moment. You know, like the... Don't take the work away from the audience. Right. Let the audience work because when you have to work for something, it's more rewarding. Absolutely. So, speaking of... Speaking of working, uh, Spade gets a second client, like, pretty quick in the movie. Here's a problematic character. Let's talk about Joel Cairo. Well, he's brown face for one. There is that. That's a little... It's problematic, but I got over it as soon as I... Ah, well, mm, that was... Okay. You grab my pen off the ground. It's bugging yeah, me. Sorry. It's just bothering yeah, me yeah. like... <laughs> oh, I threw it all the way over there. Yeah, it's over the, uh, Carl's 12 feet over that way. Movie magic. It does look that way, doesn't it? <laughs> No, yeah, okay. Talk to me about Joel Cairo and his black face. So it was, it was, well, it was disturbing. It's very shocking because it's very apparent. Because there's no hiding it. Especially in high definition. You're like, that is a white person that has makeup. He's meant to look Egyptian. And he's, uh, well, his name is Joe Cairo. Joel. Joel Cairo. Joel Cairo, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, my bad. It's a little problematic. I totally agree. But as soon as you. There's another layer. No, no, But but you can kind of get over it, though. Like, 
just get over it. Yeah. True. You know, it's But I don't I feel bad saying that too because it's like we do we shouldn't apologize for this because one that needs to we be. didn't make the movie. Right. Two, we do a film podcast. So if we're only going to watch like PC movies, I'm not going to do the show anymore. Right. <laughs> because those are well, fucking I boring. I also sit in the camp of like I do not agree with cancel culture. Agree. All. I, I agree with you. I agree with understanding and 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 not and learning from from the past and to be a sure. to be better in the future like yeah you can learn from seeing that yeah you know what i mean i'm i'm it right there with you it was a bad choice i i mean we could watch breakfast at tiffany's someday and we'll get to talk about this again oh uh, boy yeah well that's real i know i was i was yeah. like what's the worst example i can think of that's, that's pretty one of, one of yeah. i'd say sean connery and you only live twice going in what are, oh, I don't no, even know if there's a word Japanese, for it, but he, yeah, he, he basically and, pretends to be a Japanese person. Yeah, he's like six foot one. Yeah, and he they do the full makeup. And well, there's the, and just before he gets the transformation, they like pick a girl and she will bathe you. Like there's a lot of like yeah, real well, problematic. We'll do the Bond movies some days, like, and it'll be like and uh, um, <clears throat> disclaimer. So during um, this next scene, uh, trigger warning: rape. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, like there's shit. a fucking lot of that. He's in the gonna Bond movies. fuck the magic out of her, and she'll no longer be, be able magic to tell the or... fortunes. And... Okay, do you want to just yeah. get the egregious one out of the way so we don't have to cover it quite so much in the show? How about the time that he? I don't even want to say it. Nope, it's fine. Because he does. He does. You know what I'm going to say. Yeah. 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 Let's skip it. Let's skip, skip it. it. We're skipping. We'll hit it when we hit it. You'll hear it someday, listener, and you're not going to like it. Um, <laughs> The James Bond movies are more sinister than you think, but there's other elements of the, to the Joel Cairo character that are problematic. He's homosexual. Mm-hmm. And that is just hit again and again and again and again and again from now until the end of the movie. However... I'm not not to excuse or not to explain away or soften what they're doing because clearly a lot of these characters are are perturbed or outright outraged mm-hmm. at the fact that Joel Cairo is homosexual or right. bisexual. We actually don't know. It's but never he, really. He definitely has sexual relations with men is mm-hmm. the implication. And people don't treat that as like this is a character. This is this is just something about this guy. They treat that as like. Sort of a oh, flaw. It's it's the vibe is like oh, I gotta deal with this fruit now. Eh? It's like right. it's that. But the to the movie's credit, it's never explicit. That was what I was gonna say. Is I do think that for this time period, I mean, and this for this, like... and, and again, again, nineteen forty one. We're not. This is not a movie that was made in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one or twenty twenty or even in the two thousands. This is nineteen forty one, and I'd like to point something out that I forgot to mention in the previous episode. Do you know when Humphrey Bogart was born? Eighteen something. Eighteen ninety nine. Wow. Humphrey Bogart was born in the eighteen hundreds, and we're gonna talk next week. Remember that actor who plays the general, sits in his chair in the orchid room? Oh yeah. That dude when he talks about we can't have Victorian morals. That actor lived through the Victorian era. For real. Remember Jesus, things. No, yeah. Yes. Okay. It's important. It is ve- This is something that gets so fucking glossed now. It hasn't been that long, dude. No, well, I, I mean, like, looking at things no, in I their history. Yeah, no, yeah. I know, I know. But yeah, it, isn't it weird? Like, yeah. we watched a movie and there's people in it who lived through the Victorian times. That era of history, which to us is it like. It seems like a thousand, a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago. No. Two generations. Yeah. Like our great grandparents, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, but but one of the things I think is lost as we move forward in history 
and especially in the times we're going through now, which I understand why it's happening. You know what I mean? But one of the things we lose is historical context. This society, these people, were dealing with an entirely different set of circumstances than we are living with today. And the choices that they made and the things that they did are not informed by our modern enlightened views, by our not modern... Not even fucking remotely. No, I mean... absolutely not. And we needed to go through what they're... We needed them to go through what they went through so that the next generation could be better and the next generation could be better and so we could continue to improve. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, when I see things like Peter Laurie in Brownface, of course I'm like, that is fucked up you shouldn't yep. have done that or when you see characters like you know uh effie perrin walks in and hands sam spade joel cairo's business card and joel cairo catches a whiff of something and like smells that and effie perrin raises her eyebrows and goes gardenia and sam spade goes ah a homeless and he doesn't say this doesn't, but, but the imp- uh. implication is ah a gay person and flops yep. the card down on the thing those things are a product of their time and because those circumstances existed for homosexual people in this time period nowadays we don't do that anymore because we realize that that was wrong mm-hmm. so it's i don't know like i'm not made i i don't make there could be a whole like conversation just on that completely like completely and multiple i multiple conversations i mean dude of course like and that's and, and I am not educated enough in that to be able to give any sort of sure. I, most dude, we're just. I mean, honestly, the show is always just our opinions, and I think that's kind of one of the one of the coolest parts about the show for me is forcing us to. Because oftentimes we'll watch the some of the shit we watch is pretty extreme, yeah, or very old, yes, and it forces you to grapple with things, and it forces you to think about things. And there's a, there's a couple ways we could make this show. Well, like the jerk was a perfect example of that in recent Honestly, show to history. be totally honest, all of the Steve Martin month yeah. movies, you were like there was so much in there where you're like that is not okay. That is not okay. That is not fucking Even okay. in Roxanne, which was the most like saccharine of all of, of all them. of them. And it's a great movie, but you're like the basic premise of the Cyrano de Bergerac story He's, is very it's troubling. Pretty troubling, yeah. <laughs> you know, like but but I like I like that about our show because it because we could do this show two ways. We could do the show where we go, Peter Laurie's in brownface, and this movie's a piece of shit because they do that, and that the their portrayals of homosexuals are absolutely atrocious. And I'm not saying that those things aren't true. No, because they are. Because they are, for sure. But the other way you can do the show is you can say, in 1941, this is how, this is how Hollywood operated. Hollywood didn't want to employ african-americans or homosexuals or homosexuals that was i mean once we get up to mccarthyism that was something that you i mean all the whole blacklist dude i I just there's a great podcast i listened to called espionage all about famous spies and i just listened to have you ever seen the imitation game oh my god yes such a good movie right yeah so that's about alan turing alan turing is essentially the person who's responsible for computers he kind of came up with the general concept for a thinking machine Mm -hmm. if ai ever comes around they better name they better put turing somewhere in that name yeah that guy that alan turing was homosexual he was a spy during world war ii he cracked the enigma machine and essentially he is one of the major reasons the allies won 
Well, because the Enigma machine was how the U-boats fucking... That, yeah, that's the German encryption machine. Yeah. So he's essentially like one of the most important historical figures in the 1900s. In that, in that fucking millennium, Alan Turing is probably in the top 100 most important people who lived in that thousand-year span, right? Yep. And England, the, the country, England, um, convicted him of essentially homosexuality. He, mm-hmm. he got caught... Um, in a homosexual relationship, which was illegal in England right. at the time, he was chemically castrated, and he killed himself. Yeah, that's fucked, isn't it? Yeah, man. Like, that's a hard thing to look back on. Mm-hmm. But it's important to remember that there was a time and a and places where that was the case, and yeah. that nowadays there are still times and places. You kind of have to do this spiel with you Joel Cairo to. because he is like it's... a double header of offensive. Well, he is because you. <laughs> You you aren't getting an an Egyptian person. Nope, you're getting Peter Lorre. You're getting Peter Lorre, who is very white. I don't want it, but you don't want to shit on but the Joel Cairo. But is his name Joel Cairo? Is he Egyptian or is his name just Joel? Or is his that name a is Cairo? Is that a like a sneaky Pete? A sneaky or a, Pete. Yeah, or yeah. Left left hand. Which which, al- but, which almost makes it worse, kind of. In a way, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, but if the character, I don't know. In the books, Joel Cairo is no problem at all. Right. You know, but like once you put him on screen, and you're like. Oh, you picked a white actor. You made a choice. Ah, gotcha. Right. But I don't want to take I don't want to take anything away from from Peter Peter Laurie's performance. You know what I'm saying? I'm with dude. Yeah. It's it's one of the problems with tightrope, man. It really is. It totally is. Because honestly, Peter Laurie's really good. He's really good. He's really good in 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 episode one of this series. Yeah, this is the movie where I realized that Peter Laurie is not just a weird voice that he does and his bugged eyes. But there's a reason why, like in the same era, the Looney Tunes are lampooning Bogart and Peter Lorre in equal amounts right. in most of their cartoons. Yes, and it's because those dudes are titans of the screen, and yes. it's and it's deserved. Like that, I that's totally deserved. So Joel Cairo shows up and sits down, and the enforcer. The is he the enforcer? Or is the he, kid the enforcer? Well, they both are. Well, Joel Cairo is 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 a one man wrecking crew, right? He is. You have a low battery alarm going. Put turn on your low power mode. No, we'll, that'll stop the recording. Don't do that. We've still been recording, but we only have so much time left. If we cut out, just know the rest of the show was great, and you can listen to it on Spotify. Well, the audio iTunes. will still be there, and I'll put up fun pictures of puppies or something. That's fun. If Carl and I just turn into just our heads on either yeah. side of the screen, <laughs> like, facing each other, just like I'll, use that, like I'll use that still shot of oh, the two yeah. of us facing Perfect. each other, and it'll Done. just be like. That was the point where we took our clothes off and YouTube would not allow us to continue Just to show Just dicks on the table. <laughs> so, no, Joel, Joel Cairo is his own one-man enforcer. He is the one with the two guns in his jacket. He's working on his own. Cairo? Cairo, right? No. That's... The, the kid has two guns in his pocket. Joel Cairo oh my has God. that little twenty-five. Joel Cairo is the... Cheers, everyone. VSOP. I, I don't want to say the name because I don't know if they're going to be like. Say my name. Carl Hartley. Say Brandy. This is a Brandy. This guy across from me is. This is Mr. Hartley's. And this is a VSOP. Brandy. Brandy. Go on, Sam Spade. You. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't figured it out by now. Dig in, you baby. Don't, you don't deserve to be in Carl, you are a liar, aren't you? <laughs> Well, it's not the in what I said; it's how I said it. The second that's gone, you know I'm gonna pour you more. So I'm be gonna care- stay the night here. Daniel's gonna have to take care of cats. It seems likely at this point. Um, 
<laughs> I, so I love that Cairo comes in and he goes, eh, my employer is willing to offer you five. Dude, that Peter Lorre's business as he sits down, let me pull off one of my gloves one finger at a time and then I will hold it in my hand. That is every bit of his performance is some sort of the, the when he turns his cane and puts it against the corner of his mouth and just holds it there and he goes, there is an item that my employer has lost that we are trying to recover. And he's like, just got his, he's just like, just kind of bopping his cane against like right here. I feel like that the, the German villain in Raiders of the Lost Ark was paying homage to Peter Lorre. Very interesting. uh, Yes. Very, uh, the medallion for uh, Fräulein Ravenhold. Yeah. I, I, your fire is going out. It's Tell very me where is the blah 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 yeah. blah. I'm a German torturer. <laughs> you know, I, t- I kind it's of agree. Very Peter Lorre. Let me show you what right. I am I used to. Used to. That's what it is. Let's. We're gonna watch those at some point. I feel like a lot of the episode twos, like the part twos, are gonna be like. Fucking, buddy, <laughs> well, there's this bit in this it's other like splash and brandy. <laughs> the mics are dead from the sheer amount of liquor on them. Um, but so he, so Spade is he offers Spade five thousand dollars to retrieve the blackbird, this Maltese falcon, right? What? He, F- said he offers. It's funny. He offers. And sorry, so I would. Gay. My employer would like to offer you <laughs> five thousand dollars. <laughs> As this bit of a side hustle, I'd like to yes. offer you one hundred dollars for. I'm, I honestly don't know. I'm just doing Peter Laurie's voice at this. You're point. doing it very well. It's by not the way. terrible, right? It okay. isn't. No, it's it's actually quite good. Okay, because I'm, Hugh Hugh Laurie, Peter Laurie, <laughs> that's different. Another great accent, that's, man. His house, right? Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, not American even remotely. No, which is. Awful because he's his accent is more American than mine, and I've I've only been out of he the country. He hits his like, R's a little too hard, but it's fine. Most Brits that do American, Doctor Chase, go and run those errands. Like the I air- need you to run errands for me. Yeah. And you're like you're British, yeah, or Scotch, Welsh. I don't know. Oh, he might be one of those. Good, good question. We're not going to get bogged down on Hugh Laurie. We're gonna we're gonna fight through the Peter. brandy and talk about Peter Laurie. So Joel Cairo offers five G's for the the bird. This is the first that Spade's heard of this. Let me fight through the brandy. He, dude, I know. I'm like, we'll we'll make it. We'll survive. I got it. I will survive. Um, but this is the first that Spade's. They made it this far. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not locked in here with you. <laughs> You're locked in here with me. <laughs> But Laurie offers him five G's to give him this falcon, and immediately Spade's like, kind of think this might be the thing that the other clan the other, I have is yeah. not telling me about, because why are you why here? Why are you here now? Seems like you're here, because I've been talking to that other There's chick. a lot of coincidence, it seems like, not huh. coincidence I got two me. clients and two dead bodies in 24 hours. Feels like maybe this is all of a Connected piece. Connected yeah, somehow. yeah, yeah. I'm seeing the tip of the iceberg here, but there may be more under the water, mm-hmm. and I'm not going down. So he offers him five G's, and Spade's I'll like, "I'll give you five hundred dollars." That's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's that's a lot of money. Yeah, 
so whatever. And he look, he like turns to like grab his smokes. And Peter, no, it's when he sends Effie Perrin home for the night. Immediately, right. immediately, immediately, Joel Cairo pulls out. a gun. Yeah, yeah. You will clasp your hands behind your neck. Yep. I intend to search your offices. And he's like, "What are you talking about?" Well, you don't think that I would not try to save my employer such a sum of money if you are already in possession of the Falcon, <laughs> Maester. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, no, different movie, different movie, Lord. I will reel it back, it is fine. Hold on, let me dial it down. <laughs> so, but his performance is also excellent. It's amazing. We're just making fun of Peter Lorre right. needlessly because we're drunk. But like, <laughs> fair. <laughs> but he's excellent in this movie. You will, you will follow me to this. You will accompany me to the center of the room. Spade. Where you have plenty of space to disarm me. Terrible idea. You get him into a corner, turn him around, is what you do. Face the wall, hands on top of your head. If you fucking move, I'm ventilating you. Yes. I mean, but I'm this is put one in the back of your knee. But this isn't Bosch. No. This is the Maltese Falcon 1941. Do you think, did he kill the two people that had that were holding his wife and daughter season two? Oh, are they dead? Are they dead? They're buried in the ground, right? They're in the desert under the earth. Because it's never shown, but I'm like, even the his sergeants like that whole fucking so what pill happened farm to like, shit is just they're buried, right? They're gone. Fuck, I think so. He kidnapped his wife and daughter. Bosch's, his ex-wife and daughter. At Bosch's ex-wife and daughter are kidnapped. You think Bosch He's is special be like, forces, dude? You're gonna go to jail now. He no. sends wife and daughter out. And he's like, I'm going to have a conversation Yeah, with and they these don't guys. hear gunshots because Bosch kills him with his hands. Yeah, And then okay. he puts him in the dirt. Okay, that's what I thought. Thank you. Sorry. Segway. You're welcome. That's Woo! how I've always read that. Yeah. It's a hardcore moment, but it's an intense season, dude. That whole that season almost like kicked me off Bosch for a bit because I was like, that it's was tough. super it's dark tough. and it's really brutal. Those two killers in the beginning, when they're just like... That's one thing I love about the show Bosch is when people get shot by guns, it's not like... I've been shot. Yeah, so they get shot. They get shot. It's like that. I mean, that's what that's what people getting shot by his partner in the like gets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Jerry Edgar gets the sniper rifle. Yeah. What bugs me the most is when like they go those two killers in. I think it's season four. I think you're right. The two killers in season four go into that fucking pharmacy and kneel the guy down and shoot him. And when you see the security footage of it, he's not like, I'm jerking around uh, uh, because what happens when you shoot someone at point blank range is that piece of metal just goes straight through him. Mm hmm. And what kills them is the hole Bleeding it made. Out. Yeah. So, like, they just, like... Or aspirating if it hits when your they lungs. Sh- and- when they shoot that fucking guy in the car. Like, right after that. They sh- they fire the guns into the car, and the guy barely, like, jerks around. He kind of, like, moves around a little bit, but then he just, like, falls over, and he's dead because of all... It's like how Tarantino shoots gun violence. Tarantino... No. Kinda. I disagree, because oh, Tarantino well. shoots gun goes- violance. Yeah, dude. Have you ever seen Django Unchained? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> We're flying. I upset you, the dogs. You wiggled. You wiggled, Carl. Wiggle but they, they fly six feet. There's a paint yeah, bucket of blood. What bugs me about, and it does, it bothers me. It's the same thing that bothers me about Halloween 2, directed by Rob Zombie, is the violence is so realistic that it forces you to think about what it would be like the if that happened to you. you. Yeah. And it, bother, it bothers me, and I think that's to Bosch's credit. That show. Absolutely. I don't, I don't remember what brought that up for me. So the look of, I'm going to read my next note, and we're go just going to go. The look of raw animal joy in Spade's face when he takes Joel Cairo's gun away from him is it's that same like in the in the book in the book the Maltese Falcon the very first thing we get oh I remember it's like because Bosch would have disarmed Joe Joel Cairo in a much different way than Sam Spade did yeah 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 he would have put him in the corner and put his hands on his head and put one in his knee if he turned around right 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 um but 
in the book, the first thing we get is a description of Sam Spade, and he's des- his face is described as a series of V's, his eyebrows, his nose, and his smile, and his chin. He's described as a jolly Satan. Fuck. That is a fucking 100% what Humphrey Bogart gets across in his yeah. portrayal of Sam Spade, because when he gets Joel Cairo's gun away from him, he does the like spin move and like knocks it out of his hand, right? And then he grabs Joel Cairo's arm, and there's something that Humphrey Bogart does in both this and next week when we talk about the big sleep. He fucking curls his hand into this claw, this like fucking claw. I like being able to show people. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And you just go to YouTube if you want to see what I'm doing with my hand right now. It's a claw. <laughs> it's a claw. It's, a, it's just a claw. I'm making a claw right now. Claw, claw, claw. <laughs> claw in your face, claw in your face. <laughs> But he's he like he's getting ready to do what he's gonna do, and he makes this like you can and he smiles when he's backing Joel Cairo up. That grin on his face is like I'm gonna just fucking wreck yep. your day, and he's happy. And he does about he it. Knocks him the fuck bah! out. Just cracks him one in the face. One thing I love about this movie, I love the like the stunt work for punches and shit. Because, like, not all of it looks good, but some of it looks like they just hit people, yeah. like, for real. <laughs> he just jawed him, like, for real. L- later when he slaps Joel Cairo, during the line where he goes, you'll be, you're going to be slapped, and you're, when you're slapped, you'll take it and you'll like it. He slaps his bow tie. But when you're not watching that carefully, the ADR sells it. Like, he yeah. moves his face back and forth, but, dude, you can watch Humphrey Bogart's hand, and he just slaps his bow tie left and right. Like, that's how he fakes the motion. But it, it sells it, though. It totally works. But in that same scene, when the gruff detective, the prickish one... like <laughs> straight up punches Dude, him. he, like, punches Bogart in the neck. Yeah. He hits him hard enough that, like, Humphrey Bogart, like, bends back and then, like, stumbles a little bit and then stands up and the other dude grabs him. I'm like, you just punched an A-list actor in the throat. Right. That was fucking He's wild. He's not even A-list. He is the list. Yeah, it's like... I mean, kind of like in '41, dude. Yeah, I mean, Rock Hudson's still around and mm-hmm. doing stuff. There's other big actors, but yeah, like Bogart, especially. Well, especially after the Big Sleep, you get the run of Bogart well, and Bacall. The Treasure film. of Sierra Madre is like the whole like. There's another one from right around this time, and I can't remember what it's called. That's like, it's super famous. I've never seen it, so but honestly, it doesn't matter. Um, there's this. He gets this grin on his face. That's like, you are so. You know, and he's like so happy about it. He's like, I've, I, it's rare that I get to just wreck right. someone's day like in this. In my office, no, after hours. No witnesses. You pulled a gun on me so I can do it. You're mine. No one knows it's, you're here. It's like that fucking line from Sin City that Marv has. He's like, oh my I love God. Hitman. No matter what you do to him, you never feel bad. Yeah. You know, like, um, so he, he, st- and by the way, after Joel Cairo, Joel Cairo gets knocked out. Sam Spade searches his pockets. And then he gives him his guns back and then immediately, like, I will ask you to give me the... Put your clasp your hands, hands behind your neck. I will now search your offices. And Sam, I love Sam Spade's response. He's like, all right, He just sir. starts laughing. He yeah, goes, like, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I won't stop you. Which says that he could have done that in the first place. Yeah. Which well, is the brilliant part. Well, Joel, Joel Cairo... But he had, to, he had to size him up, though. Cairo asks him, he's like... He goes, well, I don't have the, I don't have the Falcon here. Well, then why would you risk such bodily injury to yourself? And he goes, well, I'm just supposed to let people walk into my place and yep. stick me up. Fair. Exactly. You, you think I'm just gonna let you search me because you have a gun? Right. There's a great line. You got to ben- set the precedent. You can't just Dude, come in here and like 
I wish I could like boop mix them into one film because there's a great line about this idea. There's a, in the next movie we'll talk about the big sleep. Marlo has this great line where he goes, "You know how many men I've met in the last week who think a gat in the hand is the world is by the, the tail?" Yes, fucking awesome line. I mean William Faulkner. So Fair. and two others. I shouldn't just say William Faulkner, but dude, you see that name in the credits and you're like, "A gat." Um. So after Joel Cairo's whole shit goes on, um. We get the, I wrote down, House on Haunted Hills, Elisha Cook Jr. shows up as the hothead psychopath gunman. And he is. Is he the first, like, of this kind? Besides Cagney. I mean, Cagney, like, sort of, like. The, like, gruff. The gruff, but sort of unhinged. Gun for hire. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what it is that I like so much about this actor, Elisha Cook Jr., and I think it's his it's something about his eyes. He very rarely blinks, and he doesn't. He's not one of those actors that like, oh well, you know, you know. I, he's, he doesn't look around when he's talking he's, to somebody, and it's his. It's always like, mm-hmm. you're home, you're home talking to. There's a, there's this great line in the next movie, but, but I mean, honestly, he has a lot of them here too. But the, it's something about his delivery, you know. I've taken all the writing. Keep on writing me. I'm gonna pull you. It's like he knows that he isn't tough. The tough. But he's putting it on. Yeah. And that is the character. He really fucking hates it when someone like Sam Spade, who is that tough, oh my lets God. him know it. When they're when he's bringing him back to, all right, Spade, don't cause any trouble. You know, they're walking. They're, he's taking, yeah, him, taking him back to, the... to Gutman. And Spade haul, like lock, basically hockey jerseys him and pulls his overcoat down to pin his arms and pulls his guns out of his pockets. Walks in, hands him to Gutman. Well, what, hap- what, what, what happened here? Uh, crippled newsy took him off him. I made him give him back. Yeah. What a fucking kick in the nuts to a Jesus. gunman, right? Like I didn't do it. Some. Mm. Dude, that was a quote, by the way. I know yeah, that's yeah. not like a PC thing to say. That's, I was gonna say it again. I was like, mm, it's but. a li- it's a line from the movie. But like, w- seriously though, like this dude's trying to trying to act hard, trying to make his bones, trying to show he's this tough gunman, and then Spade takes his guns from him and is like. It wasn't says me. what it's he said. Some, yeah, yeah. Some, some other some like somebody. some person that you don't think would be able to take guns right. away from your gunman just to bust his balls in front of his boss. Yeah, like you, you almost not almost. You almost feel sorry for him. A hundred percent. The tears are earned at the end. Yeah, like and it's satisfying I'm take because about all I can, dude. You've me. seen so much of it. You keep saying it too. He's like, keep riding me. Mm-hmm. You keep asking, and then what? And well, then what? There's that bit where they're sitting in the uh, in the lobby of the hotel. Oh right, when he's Come casing him. Like well, and he when well, he goes, he sits down. He goes, you keep asking for it, you're gonna get it. And he, so Spade he goes to the goes to like the concierge the or whatever, and, and gets the house dick on the line. Yep. basically, and gets the house detective. Every I don't know if you guys know this, listeners, but most high end hotels have house detectives that are private investigators that are employed full-time by the hotel, yep. this is one of those, colloquially called house dicks. He, hey, follow me. Takes him over to fucking Elisha Cook Jr. And he's like, say, Bill, why do you let cheap like cheap gunmen like this like sit around in your around lobby your hotel, with yeah. their heaters bulging, bulging, or like... Po- bulging out of their suit Yeah, coats. poking bulges in their jackets. <laughs> he folds down his thing, and the PI looks down at him. He stands up and basically runs him out of the place. Yeah. But, like, this dude gets no respect at any point, and the ultimate, like, fuck you at the end is... You're our shell. You're our fucking... Yeah, he ends up as the fucking fall guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if you'll understand, but you can always get more sons, but there is only one Maltese Falcon. Yeah. 
Bracing O'Shaughnessy's ne- so this is the second time that Spade after Spade's encounter with Joel Cairo in his offices, he goes back to O'Shaughnessy's hotel and yep. sits down and says, and "There is the fat man." Not yet. Not yet. No, because okay. he sits down and he pokes her with Cairo's name. Right. He's he's basically like talk to Joel Cairo today, and she's like. And then she plays it off, but it's too late. He saw the glimmer, mm-hmm. and now she's going to lie, but he saw the truth before the lie, and now he has to blend them together and see what's what. Oh, do you know him? Only slightly. Totally, total misinformation. He doesn't know him at all, but he met him, so that's kind of like kind of true a little bit. Right. But by saying that, can I make you talk more? I fucking love that, man. Um, Spade arranges a meetup at his place despite Bridget's reservations. Um. But it's already done by the time yeah. she agrees to do it, which is really interesting. Well, I'd like to talk to him. You can meet him tonight. Well, he can't know where I live. Be my place. All right, cool. Joel, meet me at my place. And she's... What? You can see her face. Actually, at the end of that, there's this great little bit of... I think it's ADR, but you hear her sigh. So at like the very end of that, she goes like... <sighs> yeah. And there's like this... Oh, God, please don't make me. They have this... They have the meeting. Um, and they sit down. Basically... She says to Spade, listen, you don't say anything. You let me handle this my way. Cool. And Spade's like, yeah, for sure, sister. I'll sit back and just glean some information from you. Yeah. That's not at all how Bogart talks. Bird pointed it out. I appreciate it. Bogart, the way Bogart talks is he doesn't move his teeth or lips at all and talks deep in his mouth. Yeah, sure. I never... I never thought it. I'd much rather get... I'd much rather get uh, a little bit wet in here rather than out there. Say, sister. You know, it's like... it. And I think it's partly because it's because his teeth are so prominent that yeah. he does that. Well, you know, he has like severe mouth injury from his dad beating the shit Holy out of him. Holy fuck, I did not know yeah. that. I knew that his alcoholism was such a problem during the big sleep that they put him on a one beer a day yeah. ration. Mm, there was that. During his... There was that. <laughs> but, um, she. So he sits down... He forces he basically forces a meeting at his place. They sit down. Bridget's trying to talk to Cairo without tipping her hand to Spade. And I love the dynamics of the situation because Cairo knows what she's doing and starts to do it too. So what you have is two people talking to each other in a room, trying to not give any information in their conversation to the third party sitting in the room. But they have to get their information, information to, to each, each other. other so d- oh my god it's so well written and spade they but spade has to be able to follow him along enough yeah. that if they need to talk to him like for example she's like are you meaning to tell me that you have five thousand dollars right now to pay for the falcon oh i'm sorry i expressed myself poorly i can get access to five thousand dollars during regular banking hours and then Spade kicks in. Well, that's probably true. He only had a couple hundred dollars on him when I frisked him in my office. After he says, after I frisked him in my office, he gets that grin like like he's remembering yeah. that, oh, dude, there's a wicked streak in him. There's there is. There's a wicked streak in Spade that I just fucking love. Um, that gr- I said that maybe Samuel Spade's grin is comes from satisfaction at turning back power against those against who would those, play yes. him Cheat him, threaten him, or harm him. Makes sense. I think he likes yeah. turning the tables on people who think they're safe, rattling people. Or they think they have an edge on them, or they think they've got the upper hand. He's right? a little sadistic. Yeah. Spade is a little bit sad. He's got a. Yeah. He's got mean in him. Spade has a little streak of mean in him, even though he's. A, I would say Spade is a good man ultimately. Right. 
but he's not necessarily a nice guy. No. You know what I mean? Ugh. I do want to share cocktails with him and maybe a cigarette or maybe two. Maybe a cigarette or two, as long as he rolls them and lights them. I'd take Effie Perrin holding one up to my oh mouth my God, for me just... to lick, right? Mm. When Brit, <laughs> I was almost about to grab some from you. Oh, do you want a little? No. Okay. When uh, when Bridget slaps Cairo, did you catch that? By the way, what that's about? No, it's been a minute. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, you're good, man. You're good. Um, so basically, Cairo is talking about like they're they're talking about whether or not the fat man will benefit by being in town okay, yeah. and he was there they he's like well certainly the kid outside and because they're talking about literally about the kid the will kid. wilmer yeah. and bridget says oh you mean you know maybe we could handle him oh maybe the way like the way you handled that boy in istanbul oh the one you couldn't get to come to bang slap she's implying that he had he sex, sex with, with a guy he, in cairo yeah. or in istanbul yeah to get and but she couldn't seduce him. So what she's slapping him over is the fact that this homosexual slept with a man that she was interested in yeah. or trying to play. That's a little problematic. Yeah. You know? But in a weird way, it's appropriate to the film because the character that that does that uh, does right. that is a murderer and a liar and a con man and a thief or con person and a thief. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's a shitty thing to say, but I this is what what I'm talking about where the the subtext of Cairo's homosexuality is just Plains that through. it is subtextual. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. It's never explicit. Yeah, yeah, they there's He gets smacked for it. There are well, dude, not only smacked but he gets some fingernail too cuz he starts mm, to bleed. Right. And he goes to pull his he goes to yank his rod and fucking like what's he going to do? Shoot Bridget O'Shaughnessy in, in front Spade's of like, yeah. hotel or house? So Spade stands up and grabs him, and this is where we get the, that is the second time you've laid hands on me today. When you're slapped, you'll take it, and you'll like it. (laughs) Ding dong. Yeah. (laughs) At that moment, you two shut the fuck up and don't say shit. I'm going to go and dance at my front door. Oh, it's the cops. Yep. Oh, God, it's the murder cops. I love he almost gets them to leave. Almost. Almost. And the, the tussle, tussle, tussle. If they say we're coming in, it's like, I guess you are, aren't you? <laughs> really. We don't have to talk in the hall, do we, Sam? <laughs> you can't come in. Oh, be reasonable, Sammy reaches out and touches his shoulder. And Spade looks looks at the hand on his shoulder, looks up at the guy and goes, you're not trying to strong on me, are you? I love that, too. Anytime someone touches Spade, he takes issue with it. Yep. Earlier when the other, I can't remember the guy's name, but the other detective puts a hand on his leg and he's kind of insinuating. Mm-hmm. And f- immediately, the second that contact happens, fucking Bogart, get your mitts off me. Yep. Looks right up at him. Or when that same cop in the hallway right here says, if, you don't have, if, you're, saying, if you're telling me you don't have a thing with Archer's wife, I'm telling you you're a liar, you're a face. And he goes, take it easy. He doesn't like being pushed. Nope. You know what I mean? Someone Not pushes him and Spade is ready to like wade in and start hacking. Oh, I fucking love it. Um, so <laughs> during, so I kind of jumped ahead just a little bit, but when uh, when Bogart moves the uh, Elisha Cook Jr. out of the the lobby of the hotel, he there's some re- this whole movie basically is a one sexiest cigarette nomination um, after yeah, that was another my note like, it's like what do you fucking do this whole thing and big sleep too. i know like, like how do you decide you're like 
Well, that cig- that's, that's sexy. That's sexy. That's sexy. It was sexy, sexy when she rolled it, but it was sexy, sexy when he when rolled he it. It was sexy, sexy when they lighted when it with that touch lighter, but it was also sexy when he lit it with that with match, match, and when he lit it with that match that he borrowed from that waitress. And then every single time he exhales smoke, I just I have this like firm erection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I love there's this might be my official moment for nomination as long as you promise to do that first one where he uses the touch lighter yes. and then blows out that beautiful cloud. Yes. But when he moves off Elisha Cook Jr. and she and he is looks over at Spade and is basically like, You keep asking for it, you're gonna get it or whatever. Spade lights a cigarette. Does a little like he lets a little smoke out and sucks it back in and then blows the whole thing into Elisha Cook Jr.'s face, into the kid's face. Mm-hmm. Dude, there's something about everyone's always like, Don't film people smoking, it's so passe. And I'm like, Have you never seen footage of people smoking? It looks fucking awesome, you idiots. Yeah, but it's been overdone. So, do you know why people do it? Beautiful, it looks awesome. I'm wondering how much of my spit is going to be captured on that HD camera. Yeah, it's probably. All right. I'm going to do it in the future. We should get we should get like a like a spit take spit cam, cam like right here, so you can just, just see like the your mouth yeah, dude. You get like the little gleeks, firing. yeah, the little fling 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 fling. <laughs> There's like a couple tra- just then. It's like tracer rounds. Yeah, it's like tracer rounds in the jungle. You know, I'm talking a lot, but every once in a while you catch one, and it spirals off into the jungle, and you're <laughs> everyone. I'll see Carl just kind of. Yeah, Max, I totally agree with your point there, man. That's a very impassioned speech you're giving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should, what we should do is just put a like... screen, <laughs> like at the grocery store, because we live in the apocalypse. They said if I didn't pay, I'd be talking to my sister through a screen. Sorry, that's the next movie. God damn it. These are good. These are good movies, Carl. They are exceptional movies. All right, let's get to Gutman. Let's talk about Gutman, because that's where the drinking happens, and we kind of really did is. a lot of it already, Carl. It did. So, Gutman. The first thing Gutman does is pour him a smash of brandy. Yes. Or cognac. I'm going to assume it's cognac. Cause Probably it's in, cognac. It's in a crystal crystal decanter. Yes. Decanter? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's in a crystal decanter. We're going to assume that's not um, your, last na- your last name, VSOP. Probably not. <laughs> we can tie. I don't think that's a problem, right? We're just saying it. We're drinking Hartley's. Hartley, Hartley's? Hartley, Hartley, Hartley VSOP brandy. Mm-hmm. That's what we're drinking. Sponsor us, Hartley VSOP brandy, because we like your shit. Honestly, it's really delicious. It's super good. We're gonna make stingers with it some other time. Probably not tonight, because I have to drive. Irresponsible, but not now. But soon, Later. once he's so tomorrow morning, we're gonna do a breathalyzer test on Carl before he leaves the premises and to make sure. Test. Also, that yeah, that's true. My dogs have been no taste at all. They My dogs are always tasteless, though. They can't though. smell shh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Gutman. Oh, that'll be all, Wilmer. Gunman leaves. Spade. First of all, the reason we're drinking brandy out of these Collins glasses or tiki glasses rather than out of, like, brandy or cognac snifters is because... That's how they do it. Dude, th- ev- both of these movies, this is the only thing that Bogey drinks out of. And they normally fill them to, like... The halfway Approximately. Mark, I mean, it's... It's like right around the see no evil, hear no evil on mine. Like, taking it down. I don't think Bogart takes more than two drinks of any drink before it's gone. No. Anything that's poured for him, he's just like, here, let me just... Yeah, Mr. Gottman, let me just... Do you mind if I... <laughs> Let's talk business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With no reaction whatsoever. Like At they're all. drinking iced tea. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we were talking about it earlier on the phone, and you were like, "It's basically like they drink water for yeah, the whole just movie, water, but, but it's, it's brandy only or liquor. Cognac. Like yeah. straight, no one drinks beer, no one drinks wine. It's all liquor. The only thing they drink is liquor, and it's like a hand and of not whiskey. like not like no. with a scotch cube and or like a splash of water or no. well, mixed with anything. No. We'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. But next week we do get one of my favorite drink orders of all time from Lauren McCall. But mm. I, I will save it because Fair. it's so fucking good. You never Is it hear an egg cream. No, but that would be cool too. <laughs> no, it's I'll fuck it. I'll say it. When they walk in in uh, to the, it's not the casino. It's the bar where they have that great like super sexy dialogue about mm-hmm. horse racing. They place their order with the waiter as they're sitting down, and uh, she goes Scotch messy. It's just Scotch on the rocks. That's an old way of ordering Scotch, scotch with ice. Scotch messy. And they turn to Spade, or uh, at that Marlo, they turn to Marlo and he goes, Scotch. That's it. That's it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but dude, come on, what a classy order. Scotch, That's way neat messy. and messy. Fuck yes. I'm going to, I mean, I mostly take stuff neat, but if I ever do ice again, I'm going to start, I'm going to bring that back. Yeah. I'm ta- dude, if it's good enough for Lauren Bacall, it's good enough for me. Fucking Scotch messy. I want to be good enough for Lauren Bacall. So do I. So do I. I want to live up to whatever standards that human being Humphrey had. Humphrey Bogart. Before she di- oh, we need to be Humphrey Bogart? Yeah. Well, we're on she our was, way, she man. Was there on his deathbed. That's yeah, that's... Breathed his last breath. It's interesting. He was married at the time when he met Lauren McCall. Yeah. That's such an interesting story, the two of them, because it really... He, the married at the like all the way up to the time of his death, died of cancer. It starts as an affair, and it mm-hmm. becomes like one of the great love stories. Yes. Yeah. I think I've talked about it elsewhere on the podcast, but like Bird and I met each other when we were yeah. with other people. And yeah. yes, it does make for like a really kind of like tangled and complicated and really uncomfortable couple of months as you like disentangle from long term relationships. Right. But I mean, we're about to we're about to celebrate. I think this year is eight years for us. Nine rad, years. Dude. Yeah, man. It ain't too shabby. I'm pretty fucking proud of it. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about Gutman pouring fucking 26 ounces of Okay, dude, I'm not exaggerating. I actually have a note about it. Gutman, bup, 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 bup. here we go. Keep on riding me. Keep on riding me. Here we go. Gutman has poured, and this I counted. Gutman has poured three two-finger bolts of booze for Spade in less than 120 seconds of talking. Yep. And that all spiked, too. Oh, yeah, that one. Well, that's the second time they get right. together. The first time they get together, it, it doesn't even matter because they meet twice in two days, right? Yep. The first time, Spade drinks two brandies with Gutman before he shatters one, which is fucking... Mm-hmm. There's something about watching a guy smash Shock a glass, glass with stuff in it yeah. where you're like, fuck yeah, that guy doesn't give a shit about anything. And the first thing he does... Because I would have been... Oh, wait. Shattered. Well, you listen to me, Gutman. God, that Armagnac was phenomenal, but I'm mad at you. You know, it had been that. I'm not going to waste good Armagnac because I don't want to go to hell. (laughs) The Pope blessed this. But, like, I honestly, Armagnac, yeah, fine. Scotch, you waste single good, single malt Mm -mm, scotch that's mm -mm. over a decade old. I'm throwing hands at you. Yeah. That's what's happening. What the fuck are you doing? I'd have drunk it. It's. COVID's not going to live in that. That's fucking stuff. The scotch. <laughs> if you put ice in it, though, go ahead. Throw it away. It's garbage. Yeah. 
No, I'm just I'm well, not. Finger driplets of water is okay. A little branch water, yeah. Gutman, see, Gutman has some of my favorite lines in the movie too, because he he starts by, "Oh, you're excused, Wilma. Let me just take this giant snifter. I'm gonna I'm gonna and if you're Spade, I'm Gutman. He he watches him as he pours." <laughs> And he like so. I'm sorry. I'm I'm blocking the camera. This is kind of fun. Now yeah, I have right, to right. now I have to be aware of my angles. Which earlier on, those detectives totally cheat out their faces. Oh, they do. You saw it, oh, right? Yeah. They have their faces like turned to hit the camera, but their eyes are looking at Spade, and he's over there. You see that sometimes. There are moments like that a lot in these. Actually. This one and in the Big Sleep, you see it in both of them. Like people will be like cheating out. What are you talking about, Bill? Like facing the camera, but as he pours, he like he pours. And he looks up at Spade, and he pours, and he looks up at Spade, and then he goes, "You begin, you begin well." Oh, sorry, let me get some jowl. <coughs> you begin well, sir. I distrust a man who says when. He's got to be careful not to drink too much because he's not to be trusted when he does. That's a great That's fucking a great line. line. And also, you know what that is? That is true. Carl, you and I. Let's let's not beat around the bush. Let's be honest with the with the listeners. Carl, you and I are drinkers. Oh yeah. We are we are above, proud of it. We are of the drinking class. Yes, absolutely. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Someone who's like really Oh no 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 no. Oh, I couldn't possibly. You know, like okay, maybe you're not like if you're if you're not a drinker, if you're not it's not your vibe, okay, fine, that's cool. But like someone who really like keeps track and is kind of finicky and watching about it, every time I run into someone like that, I'm like what is it that right. is making you do you mm, what? Pa- okay you probably I, shouldn't drink anyway now i yeah i get it like dude i get it. i carl at 32 i'm starting to understand the pain of a hangover but also as a member of the drinking class why aren't you drinking what are you doing we're right. we're all hanging out and drinking and you're like counting the number of shots and you're watching the clock to make sure you can metabolize it what would happen if you got drunk would you take your clothes off would you start calling me? Yes, I mean me too, and that's partly why I drink that much. Is yes. so I so can I take, take my, my clothes, clothes off. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel comfortable in that <laughs> environment. Ah, oh, the danglers coming out, ladies and gentlemen. But no, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. he's right. Gutman's fucking right. I love that. I just that line. As soon as I heard it, I was like, Gutman knows me. <laughs> Gutman knows me. Um, Cairo, it, the, Spades double or nothing on the money, where he sits down and he's like. Sir, tell me, Spade, what do you know about the Falcon? Oh, I know that uh, O'Shaughnessy's looking for it, and Cairo offered me $10,000 for it, but he does not miss a beat. I missed a beat so that you would pick up on it, ladies and gentlemen, but fucking Spade is, he is... He's on top of it. He's a step ahead or two. Every well, he's a he step. He he's a step behind, but he's playing like he's two a steps step, ahead. Exactly, and that bluffs people into trusting him yep. every time. It's amazing. It's the whole act like you know thing, dude. dude. At like, this point, he he's knows. Take full confidence in thinking that he knows. Do you know what he knows ahead. about the Maltese Falcon in this Nothing, meeting? Dick Not off. a fucking thing. He knows. He doesn't even know it exists. No, well, he does because well, he, he talked to Cairo. Thing, but... He knows there's a black bird because that's why he says, "Let's talk about the black bird and not the Maltese Falcon. Let's talk about the gold. Let's talk about the fortune." He's like, "Let's talk about the black bird." That's the info he's got. But he's playing cagey, and Gutman is reading that as he's feeling out what Gutman knows. Gutman doesn't know that Spade knows jack shit. You know, God, it's just I love the way this is played and the way that this is 
written. The first thing he does, by the way, when Gutman starts giving him the runaround, because he's like, Oh, no, sir. If you don't tell me what you know, and I don't tell you what I know, and Wilma doesn't tell you what Wilma knows, and then we go find someone else who knows something, and right. they don't tell you what they know, then we can't do any business at all because no one knows anything, and I want some more brandy. So what do you think, man? <laughs> yes. Spade stands up, and he's like, he takes his lit cigar and fucking flings it on the ground. I, something he picked up from Miles Archer, probably. Yeah, probably. Fucking flings his cigar on the ground, and Gutman's like, my goodness, this is a perfectly good cigar. There's like fucking four inches left on that son yeah. of a bitch. And then Spade walks his brandy glass full of brandy onto the brandy tray. Sp- that's intentional. Yeah. He doesn't chuck it against the wall. He doesn't throw it in the fireplace. He doesn't throw it on the, on the rug. Brandy tray. He throws it on the brandy tray. He pollutes the glasses, the tray, the tabletop, the bottle. He that that is intentionally vindictive. And that the, we, which we get in a moment when he steps out into the hallway and we see him compose himself and start to grin. And he's smiling this about it. This is a fucking act. This yep. every the single thing, thing, all calculated. Dude! Dude! These little... That was a moment for me. Right? Is when, when he got through that aggressive moment in the hallway about to take the... I'm going to come down. back here and if you don't have an answer for me, then we're going to be... Blah, 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 all blah. an act. Bang! All an act. <laughs> Puts his hat on. Walks down the hall. Dude, that smile on his face is just like... I got to yell at someone today. Yeah. What a fucking great day. Amazing. Dude, it's 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 outstanding because it's character development. Yep. It pleases the audience yep. because we love we, we love seeing him getting some getting something over on It's cool to see him running a con. That one for sure is on the mics. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way to hide it because it was a silent moment. I should have you should just next time wink with your right eye so they can't see and I'll just go ah <laughs> When you <laughs> and it'll hide it, they will never know. Never know. They'll never know. Let's be like, and that was when Joel Cairo <laughs> just cover it right over. Both my dogs just looked I've at me like, of, "What the hell?" Had a lot of dates recently. <laughs> it's a date. You eat them. You, you eat them. <laughs> Jesus, Indy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And then this is where this is at this point. He basically is only gone for about a day. He he tries to. Tell Cairo that Cairo is not Cairo. I'm sorry, Gutman. He t- tries to tell Gutman. He's like, "You're not respecting what we're what I'm doing here." Okay, you got to give me like way more fucking credence. I know lots of shit. Okay, I know like all kinds of things about the Blackbird. And he's like, "Well, name one thing you know about the Blackbird." He's like, "Black. It's a bird. <laughs> I need twenty five thousand dollars." And Gutman's like, "Seems like you don't know anything at all." <laughs> you know, um, but. But Gutman needs to get him out of the way, so he sends the kid to go and bring Spade back. And then he's... This is brilliant, because what they're doing is they don't want any more bodies. Even Gutman is aware... They're starting to make a trail, and that's not good. Yeah, there's too much heat. Every time you kill somebody... There's more. There's more heat. So they're like, what we need is to get Spade out of the way for a period of time. That's the whole purpose of this meeting. Even though Gutman, and partly, I think, because Gutman does reveal a huge amount of information. In this oh, meeting. he gives it the whole... The whole shebang. Yeah. This is it. This is where we learn what is the Maltese Falcon? What's it worth? Where it Why does from? everybody the want whole, it? Yeah. Where does it come from? Who's after it? Like... Cotton-Eyed Joe. Like dude, the whole... legitimately, he's like, 
Well, it's me and Bridget O'Shaughnessy and Joel Cairo and Cotton-Eyed Joe and Left-Handed Pete and Stinky Willie and J John Holmes, mostly because of his glorious penis. And also, I'm Carl Hartley and Max Peterson and uh, Lorna Peterson. She's a dog, actually, but she's also, for some reason, interested in the Falcon. We'll have to, if you know what I'm saying. But, like, he gives it all away yeah. because he believes that in the time between spade being drugged yeah. and spade waking up they'll collect it gutman's gonna have the fucking yeah. thing in hand because he has he thinks he has enough of the pieces which but he, he does i mean he kind of does. does the the now here's here is he has the friends of carlotta list <laughs> <laughs> i know dude like some of the logical leaps in this are right out of oh, dead yeah, men don't wear sure plaid are. Well, Carlotta is the name of a of a, of a ancient boat. Egyptian yeah. princess who was a boat, which is also a blah blah blah. Have you ever seen Pootie Tang? Oh fuck yeah! Do you remember the scene in Pootie Tang where they walk through like the crazy conspiracy, like leaps of? It is literally like it's almost as wild as the Da Vinci yes. Code, where they're like. It's a painting hanging on a wall that's brown, and that means that oh the- Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's the Browns. Do you know the, the worst logic? The worst logically, I just, for some reason, in my high state the other night, started to watch National Treasure at like How long ago? How long ago? Two days ago? A day ago? Bird, wait a minute. Bird, when did we watch National Treasure? She might have her headphones in. Yeah, she they, might legitimately- like two days ago. Dude, no shit. Bird and I watched National firm. Treasure two days ago. It was two nights ago. It was firm. It was resolved. It was so something that was a resolution of the. There's a met treasure map on the back of the, the Declaration of Independence. Indi How like, the fuck did you get there? Resolve, sir. A resolve. It was resolved. We resolved to be a country. The Declaration of Independence. <laughs> There's yeah, okay. It was so. We just leapy. tripped over like a really interesting synchronicity. I think I legitimately think that we watched National Treasure the same on time? the same night. Yeah, we did. It was the first night that I stayed at the new place. That that's the fucking night yeah. I watched Bird and I watched National Treasure. Did you just do <laughs> just randomly? Did I post something? I also no. was a little high watching. No, it. I was a little high, and we just you, got done watching dude, something. You and I and got I, high and watched National yeah. Treasure together apart. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> and I'm like, there's so many logic leaps here that don't make any fucking sense. Okay. Two movies that Bird and I love to go back to again and again and again. I love National Treasure. National Treasure, The Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Back and forth. You know why? Both of those movies. I was gonna say not great, but what I'm gonna say instead, they're great movies. Yeah. They they're not necessarily super smart, no. and they're not like nuance. We're not talking masterpieces no. here, but it's like Dread. Yeah. You watch oh, Dread the and Carl Urban Dread. The Carl oh Urban Dread. God. You watch Car the Carl Urban Dread, and you're like, this is just a movie of. Couple people killing Slow a bunch of other people. A bunch of killing. If you have a tolerance for violence, listener, and also like drugs, high five and say drugs. Drugs! Smoke a shitload of weed and watch Dread. That is like the best possible night I can think of. Yeah. Honest to God, I might do it tonight. Like for real. Watching Spade. Drink a smooth ounce of cognac from a Collins glass in the same hand that's pinching his cigar is basically pornography. Yeah, it me. really is. Honestly, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even. There's something about the way that that dude drains an ounce of cognac out of a Collins glass, because it's 
it is that like trashy detective thing you know, where it's like you got your water glass and you're just like yeah listen i'm sorry i've only got a coffee cup you know like right. something about drinking out of a glass that's not appropriate that just makes it somehow you want it more I mean, this is a service industry thing. <laughs> it kind of is. Well, it's like for the for so many years, I drank most of my anything, you name it, wine, bourbon, anything, out of a coffee cup. Yeah, dude. Was honestly, my MO. me too. Me too. Yeah. Totally. Because that's how you hide it from the how people I would. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I was gonna say like, well, that's how. Nope, that's literally why that's you do a, it. It's, oh, Carl has his afternoon coffee. No uh, wonder he's so sharp. That's what they don't understand. It's like you get better at serving once you've had a drink or two. And well, you. because you, your anxiety about yeah, being dude. engaged with a bunch of strangers. You're loosey-goosey. You're chatty. Yeah. That's why these podcasts run so long. Is no, we just right. drink the whole time, and then we're like, what the fuck movie are we talking about? <laughs> just engaging with a friendly conversation. Yeah. Um. Speaking of this movie, I know you need to roll, so let's burn yeah. some notes get to the end of this we're basically there um this so the three two finger pours of cognac that uh spade drinks yes. in this scene all of them are drugged every single, single one, of, one them. of them and it takes three drinks to put them down which is interesting because in next week's film uh, apparently one. poison can kill you in 10 seconds yeah. after you've consumed it um god what a heartbreaker that scene actually kind of gets me teary a little bit. every time a little i bit. see it um but it's interesting because Elisha Cook Jr. is the one who gets poisoned in next week's movie. Spoilers. True. But um, he, he plays the gunman in this one, and he walks over and kicks, kicks him in the, in the face. face. Like, after he's already been knocked the fuck out. Spade, like, staggering, staggering. Spiteful, just... St- well, this is, the, this is the first payment on all that riding. Yeah. We're going to get the last payment at the very end of the film, which we've kind of already covered. But he's but. knocked out. Spade doesn't even know that it, he got the... That's just for him. It's a coward. Just move. spiteful. And just it's cowardice. totally personal. It's that thing, like, you've been doing a lot... You've been watching and reading lots of Bosch-type yeah. stuff. Um, like, that's, that's one of the things they always say, is, like, if the face is damaged or mutilated, that it's a personal killing. Yeah. Because, like... And it's like a psycho- psychological thing. Yeah, it's it's that's your identity. So like attacking someone's face or, or mutilating the face of a body is personal. So when he tripped, and he's the one who trips Spade too. So when yep. Spade trips and hits the carpet, and then Elisha Cook Jr. comes over and boots him in the head, you can feel the hate between those yeah. two men. The other thing- And I, the cowardice. Because totally. he waits till he's knocked out and doesn't know who hit him. Completely. I think it's- very important that to remember that Elisha Cook Jr.'s character, Wilmer, does not fire a single shot in the entire film, even though he's a gunman character who carries two guns. He does. On he him. is the one that killed. Um, we don't see it happen. But we but don't yes, see it happen, he did right. kill Thursby. Yeah. He's the one who guns down Thursby. But like the whole rest of the movie, a lot of talking, a lot of like kicking unconscious people. It's that false bravado thing. Yeah. What does he fucking call him at one point? He goes. Hey, listen, I don't want you to be scared by these two pocket edition desperados. Yeah. Dude, that might be the best insult I've ever heard. Pocket, pocket edition, edition desperados. desperados. Unreal. Yep. It's so good. Um, so they he oh God, and Joel and we find out here that Joel Cairo has been there all along. Yeah. So this is where we find out what we were alluding well, to we earlier. See him come out of the elevator. The Cairo connection. As right, right. That as first meeting leaving. With yeah, but we don't know at that point. Maybe he's we don't know to there's talk a connection to exactly. or whatever. So honestly, this is probably more evidence that maybe Cairo threw his hat into Gutman's ring a right. little later right. on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Dead Man Walking delivers the Falcon wrapped in bailing twine and old newspaper. So this is after Spade wakes up, and he's. I, it's interesting that they leave him alive too. Well, we talked again, about, yeah, that's a big fucking body to leave as a PI that you already have two known cases on, and un- under investigation, and was working cases. That the cops you are, are tied shadowing to. him too. Like, not a smart move to. You get him out of the way for a minute. You kick him in the face. You let him know. Yeah, and I think you can't rub him out otherwise. I think Gutman's got enough of a line on him, too, that he's oh, yeah. like, this guy's not going to rat on us. He's in this. We're yep. just going to take him out of play for a while yep. and hopefully be done we with it all. We get our pieces when... in, in, in motion, and we can get out of And it's not very long after he's awake and like back in play that we realize that the fire has happened right. on the ship. And it's very fast after that right, that all these final pieces fall into place. That's almost why they took him out of, out of well, play. Well, he had to. Because everything's happening now. Now. And the we, ship is here. And he's too much of a wild card because we don't know what he knows. We don't know what he wants. And we don't know what his allegiances are. Yeah. So let's knock him out, kick him in the head, and then uh, just leave it at that. Go do our shit. And hopefully it'll all be done when he wakes up. Unfortunately, it's not. Spade goes back to his office. And the captain of the ship, we find out later that they all went to the ship to go get the Falcon. Bridget O'Shaughnessy ran a little weird con. Yeah, with the captain. With the captain that allowed the captain to escape down a fire escape, even though he took multiple bullets. Twice. Yeah. He makes it somehow to Samuel Spade's office, which means that Bridget O'Shaughnessy sent him him there. Yes. So he rolls in, dies in front of Effie Perrin, which is kind of. Dude, she does not take that well. So this has been a weird couple days at the <laughs> office. I might need a vacation. Listen, Sam, you don't pay me enough, Sam. That's not how she sounds no. at all. She's <laughs> actually very attractive and sweet. She totally is. She's got a great voice, too. She's Effie Perrin is like one of my favorite characters in this movie. She's so like, until the guy dies in front of her, pretty unflappable, kind of in Sam's corner, but also kind of like But someone's bleeding out on the carpet in her office. That so was like, a lot. Yeah. That was a lot That's for a lot. her to That's deal with. Uh, oh. Where did he come from? Well, he couldn't come far with all his holes in him. Yeah. Sam, bro, she just saw a guy die. Yeah. You're going to want to just dial down the Oh, like, she's passed out. We're fine. Yeah, man, his guts are all poking out of his stomach. He probably didn't walk very far with his Oh, lunch. he must have had a tuna fish sandwich for lunch. It's poking out of him. It's dripping. It's just dripping out of him. F, you look a little green around the gills. What's that all about? You know, you're like, Sam... A little sensitivity training hadn't been invented yet. Why don't you go, like, hit somebody? (laughs) Go go away. Um, No, not Effie. Not Effie. Don't. No, no, no. No. Here, get it together, girl. (laughs) You're like, I know it's 41, but, like, please. She just needs a break. In fact, (laughs) like a vacation Like a vacation, yes. Um, So they offer... That one skipped the surface a little bit. That was... (laughs) Touch and go there for a minute. For, For one moment. Yeah. Um... So basically, Sam is like, okay, listen, here's what we're going to do. We got to deal with this dead guy. Because they have the Falcon now, too. They have the Falcon, but they also have a dead body in his office that is going to need addressing, and he's not going to cover up a murder like Philip Marlowe does repeatedly, for example. This is why I disagree with you that Sam Spade is like rougher than Marlowe. I think Marlowe is the like. And I'm, I'm a little. I'm kind of cheating a little because I know other Marlowe stories like okay. The Long Goodbye. There's a great movie with Elliot Gould as Philip Marlowe called The Long Goodbye, and I recommend everybody watch it immediately. It's my it's my favorite crime neo noir movie. It's from like 1971. Fair, okay. But and Elliot Gould, like that's so good, dude. It's so good. It's actually what that film might have been what introduced me initially to like the PI on Very screen. Cool. I saw it when I was really young, and I was like. 
because I always thought of like you know cops are I was pretty young so I was like yeah. cops are the good guys and robbers are the bad guys and then you watch like you watch Philip Marlowe especially the Elliot Gould interpretation and you're like he's a fucking drunk and he's like a womanizer and he's really kind of violent he's got no scruples and he's taking bribes and paying bribes and you're like what the f- I don't know dude and it introduced me to like that gray area Very character cool. and I just love it but um this is pretty much the scene actually i we've covered all of the notes including the end which you can probably hear over in part one of this episode Mm -hmm. but there is one more thing i want to talk about and it's honestly it's fitting because he is an actor who is kind of always in the supporting role but it'd be cool to go out with him in the spotlight sure elisha cook jr's final lines of this movie get on your feet i've taken all the writing from you i'm gonna take and get up and shoot it out yeah, buddy. Dude. It's so he's he's such like a like a third tier character, you know? He's he's the goon, he's the muscle. He's got these kind of quippy lines that are you've been riding me. I've been taking yeah, all he's the getting his balls busted by our main character throughout. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he's gotten slapped around. He's gotten his guns taken away from him. He got in one little cheap shot. But really like we all know watching this movie that this character is fairly inconsequential. Yeah. What do you think? This is I think this is an unusual choice. What do you think of Elisha Cook Jr. rolling tears in this last scene? I I I I said out loud to myself, holy shit. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Like he's so mad that he's yeah. crying. And that is a Because he really has had it. I mean, that's it. Yeah, but but also like that's a that's like a he's called the kid. You know, Wilmer, the, in the book, I think he's primarily just called the kid. The kid. That's kind of a ch- childish thing. You're angry, you're so angry you that, you, yeah. that you cry. I thought that was a really insightful and fitting acting choice at the end, and it really translates it powerfully. His, his eyes are, like, filled, brim full of tears, you know, where you get that sparkly eye, and he's got the two trails, like, running down his cheeks, but he's got both guns ready to blow spade away you know like, you know what he, that he can he's killed he's killed people he's before. killed people when yeah. you see him he becomes this character that's in that like state of flux between childhood and mm-hmm. i'm gonna be a, a hood you know hood for hire i'm a gunman now you need to take me seriously i'm a big bad guy yeah I'm and a big bad and guy. maybe a couple years from now he m- maybe might he could be, be. Not yet. He's still in that kind of liminal space yeah. between those two worlds. And there's no better non-verbal way to do that than just to cry yeah. while you're threatening to kill this our protagonist. Yeah. It's fucking beautiful, dude. It it's was a brilliant. brilliant moment. It's so good. And then watching Spade in that this moment the, after that. the beginning of the end for him, too, because that's before he's, I mean. He's a fall guy. Well, uh, he reacts to the fall guy yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like, That's right. give him Wilma. The guy's cut. He's like, cut him. Oh, listen, cut. listen, you fucker. Oh, no, no. He's like a son to me. He's like a son to me, you know? But like, within, so he stands up and, and he's quieted by Gutman and calmed by Gutman. And that's his undoing. If he'd have just unloaded, that he would have got up. Fine. Well, he probably would have oh, been maybe. fucked. Life of crime, you know? But yeah. like, but what a cool moment to see a character realize that in a way, He's getting the Judas kiss from his boss. Yeah. And this is it. That's it. Wow. It's amazing. 
Elisha Cook Jr., I highly, I highly recommend that any listener out there who's seen this or seen him in anything, find him in other stuff. Because I'm telling you, he, he pops up he in gives, these weird he, little... Yeah, but he's always there. He's always there for it. He always shows up, if we, you know what I mean. We have yet to do a movie that he's in where we don't spend considerable time talking a, about like how good he is. a quarter of a page talking about how good he is. He's amazing. Yeah. He truly is. And he's he is always... To my, I've never seen him in the lead. He's always like... That, Tertiary. That guy. Yeah. You know, he's the gunman. Or in the next one, he's, kind, he's like a former run runner who's now maybe an extortionist. Maybe, yeah. And... He's a drunk and uh, a drunk and possibly like a sensitive medium in the the house on haunted hill, the, yeah, yeah. and he's like this destroyed, like harbinger character in Messiah of Evil. Just seek him out, man. He's worth watching, and he's no slouch. This is something I said to Bird when we were watching The Big Sleep this morning again. Yes. When Elisha Cook Jr. shows up, you're like, I I said to her, I'm like, he's always, he's always a secondary character. But he's always the best of the secondary characters. Yeah, absolutely. He belongs in the A-list. He's just cast in the Bs. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, fuck, I love this guy. It elevates the rest of the cast. I mean, it really does. I mean, to have... If you had anyone with without those kind of chops, the rest of the movie doesn't really work as well, does it? He might get more screen time with Bogart than both uh, Green Street and mm-hmm. Laurie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, because he shadows him the whole movie. Right, exactly. I honestly think, and on, he gets a he gets a decent amount of time with Bogart in the next one that sure we're going to talk about. It's cool to see a young actor like that working toe to toe and holding his holding, own. That was going to say holding his own with, with like, let's call him a the Hollywood great of this era. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's cool as fuck. I, think I re- that's pretty accurate. I love it, man. I love it. We've already talked about the end of this movie. You can mm-hmm. hear that in part one. Basically, for those of you who don't want to do that, Maltese Falcon shows up. It's fake. Everyone's bummed and they yeah. bail. <laughs> but then they all get arrested, and uh, that's the stuff dreams are made of. Yeah. Oh, God. I want to. You know what we'll do? Here's what we'll do. We're going to call that the episode. We'll do our outro stuff now. We, that is That concludes our discussion of the film, The Maltese Falcon, yes, 1941. Sir. However, Carl and I have talked about this. This movie and the next one we're going to talk about are both based on novels by fabulous writers. Both of those novels are very near and dear to my heart. So we're going to, for the first time ever, we're going to do some measuring. I'm excited for this. Some measuring flicks book club. Yes, sir. And somewhere in season five, we're going to release uh, two Patreon episodes, each touching on the books upon which these films were based. During those discussions, we will definitely cover um, Sam Spade's final monologue. Fair. By that time, hopefully you've all watched this fabulous movie. Um, but we're, we're definitely going to get into the reasons that Spade did his thing. I almost want to do it now, honestly. It's like It feels like such a cheat to not. So here, Carl, do you have any final thoughts on The Maltese Falcon? Um, I just adore this film, and I adore the one that we're going to be talking about next week the big sleep um it's, again it's one of those movies that i watched when i was a kid you know a rental from the library along with like rocky and the godfather and a handful of others that were just rentals from the library and uh, appreciated them a little bit you know when you're right. 13 14 you're like wow these detectives are cool you don't really understand the story or sure the, sure they get the dame yeah the they, dame they have this, some, some cool stuff yeah yeah they got they got guns but they drive these cool old cars it's just fucking perfect. 
It's I an agree. incredible piece of, of, of cinema history. And the story is just great, just on its own. Actually, it's a, it's I, a great yarn, as the kids say these days. <laughs> I honestly think the first two are perfect films. Oh, I, that's the no, Maltese no Falcon and the Big Sleep, to me, are endlessly rewatchable. I have watched the Maltese Falcon three times before this episode in the last couple of weeks, and I've watched the Big Sleep twice. Yeah, it's easy this, to do. Just you get lost in the performance of the. I watched the Big else. Sleep last night and this morning. Like, and we didn't even do the Big Sleep as an episode today. No, like that's how good that movie is. But all right, here it is. I'm gonna in in his own words. Actually, this might be the best way to go out. I, you, if you listen to part one. Well, we'll still do our outro, but here we go. Sam Spade, he sits down. After everyone's left the place, yes. and it's just him and O'Shaughnessy, he confronts her, and he's like, all right. He calls the cops and rats everybody out but her. Mm-hmm. He's like, they're going to be around. We got to figure this out. He's like, here's we where you're going to find minutes. this guy. Here's where you're going to find this guy. You got to look for this guy a little bit because he ran. Watch out. He's dangerous. Here's his description. And then he turns to O'Shaughnessy, and he's basically like, Listen, we've got minutes until the cops show up. Now is when you stop the bullshit and you fucking tell me what happened. And he, dude, he puts the heat on. He puts the heat on and he does not turn it off until she tells him everything. Until she confesses to the fact that she murdered Miles. She lays out the whole plan, what she was trying to do with Thursby. He cracks her because she thinks that he just needs to know the deal so he he can cover. And he, he implies. Now, here's what I was wondering. Do you think, because he tells her straight up, he's like, no, you you murdered Miles and you're going away for it. We're both sitting under the gallows now. Sh- yeah. to t- shut up and tell me. I, at one point, he puts his hand around her throat and he says, I hope you don't ha- they don't hang you with this beautiful neck. Yes. She's going away. Mm-hmm. And she's stunned that he would do that. And I was wondering, do you think that Spade says the things he says you know, you might you might get out in twenty years, and it's I'll, all a play. For I'll him. be I'll be waiting for you. Well, regardless, she's going away. Right. Do you say those things to twist the knife in the person who killed your partner, or do you say those things because they're true? And I don't think at all think, that they're true. I think there's a I think there's a little bit of both going on there. Because why can't you have your cake and eat it too at this point? Like this is the person that brought the whole shit show to his front door. Yeah. The whole reason this all happened is her. Yeah, yeah. Through her lies, through her deception, through all of it. His partner's dead. His whole th- the whole thing's a fucking mess. Right. So I think that there's a little bit of both. He's he's turning the screw a bit to her, but also trying to um, get her to confess in a way. Like, it's enough bullshit. Right, right, right. But also, like, sticking it to her at the same time. Drop the shit. Tell me the truth. Yeah. But specifically the weird endearments that he peppers into gruesome descriptions of her punishment yeah you're going away forever you might get life which means you might get out in 25 right. we're waiting for you darling part of me thinks remember i said earlier that sam spade's got that mean in oh him? yeah absolutely i think this is like you're going away and one thing i want planted deep in your brain is that i'm out here waiting for you yeah baby. oh don't you worry baby it's just it's like it's slapping her without slapping her you yeah. know what i mean he has this great line because she says, how can you do that? Or he has this great line because she says, how can, you, how can you do this to me, Sam? And she collapses on a, on a, a chaise. And he says, he sits down in a chair and he takes a moment to compose his thoughts. And he says, when a man's partner is killed, he's supposed to do something about it. It doesn't make any difference what you thought of him. He was your partner and you're supposed to do something about it. 
and it happens we're in the detective business. Well, one of your, when one of your organization gets killed, it's, it's bad business to let the killer get away with it. Bad all around. Bad for every detective everywhere. That's all you need to know yeah. about Sam Spade in one fucking brief monologue at the end of this movie. It's some, it's some of the best writing I've ever seen. It's true. And that's basically word for word out of the novel, That's too. incredible. When a man's partner is killed, he's got to yeah, do, do something, something about it. it. You didn't like him so much. That's it, dude. We talked, we've talked yeah. this whole four-hour series about that moral compass, those weird principles that are buried Same under the... Same reason why you got to disarm the guy that comes into your office. Can't just, like, can't just let people come in and stick, stick you up. You know, like, there's what's right, and there's what's safe. Yeah. And you do what's right. Mm-hmm. Even if you get dirty doing it, and Sam Spade is dirty at the yes, end of this movie, but he's, he's com- like, yeah. my fucking partner was murdered, and you, when you did that, you left me literally no choice God, but to run you funny. down like a dog. Yep. I wish you hadn't, because I fucking like you a lot. But when a man's partner is murdered, doesn't matter how cute and interesting you are. Fucking a man. It's a. I love it. It's a great way to go out of this movie. All right. All right. And that is us getting out of this movie. Listeners, you can find us at patreon.com slash quillinfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M, or at quillinfilmproductions.com. You can check us out on Instagram at Measuring Flicks, or Measuring Flicks Podcast is one of those two. It's <laughs> Measuring Flicks over on Facebook, or you can drop us a line at Measuring Flicks Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, we are a listener-supported podcast. That aforementioned Patreon, patreon.com slash quillinfilm, you can head on over there and pledge us as little as one dollar a month. But if you want to hang out with the elite, the cool kids, get those bonus episodes. Pros, yeah, and honestly, the big sleep will be one of those oh, bonus right. episodes over on Patreon. So if you want to hear us talk about Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall more than we already have in these episodes, right. you can head on over to Patreon with the rest of these fine, cool folks who keep the lights on, keep the mics hot, and keep us rolling week after week. We would love to thank Mariah Rosado, Micah Maybe, Kristen Stewart, Baloney Shoes, Leslie Ty, Cassandra, Jeffrey, Tiberius, Tenelius, Ticonderoga, Ticonderoga, Tiger Blood Morgan, Kevin Ramirez over on the East Coast, Sister Sarah Hartley over in the nunnery, William Rockwood in the deep subconscious of our minds, (laughs) Brian Jackson, Kelly and Mike Wagner, Katie Clark, Daniele Hartelli, Connor Sweeney, Casey Scheibe, and John Scheibe. Bless you all. Thank you all. Bless all all your dear hearts. All y'all's dear heartses. Um... You can also share our podcast with your friends if you like us. Tell people about us so more people come and listen to us. So sponsors give us money. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like, hit that notification smash bell. That so like you button. smash that like button, hit, hit that, that notification, notification bell, bell so you know when new episodes drop. Uh, give us a like and drop a comment. Rate and review. Do the whole shebang. Next week, lick our nuts. Whatever you. Whatever feel your like vibe doing. is, honestly, guys, we're not really that judgy here, no. as you can clearly tell. Um, and next week on Measuring Flicks, stay tuned. We're talking, we're, we're going right back to Humphrey Bogart. We are. Over on Patreon, we'll be dropping the second episode of season five with 1946's, not 1945's, pre-release cut. We're talking 1946's three theatrical cut of Thank you. The Big Sleep. We're going to be Sean Long. Sean Long. Sean? Sean Long. Sean Long. Sean Long. Good friend of mine. We're going to have special guests, Sean Sean Loggs. Loggs. 
from the internet.